Good morning. My name is Randy. I'm the senior pastor here, and I need some help. Uh, you've all known that for quite a while, but I'd like the kids to come back up if you could. So if you're not normally in here with us, but you're here, come on up to the front. If your parents get a little nervous without you, you can bring them with you. Come on up. Sit right up here in the front. Sit next to me. Great. More. Kids. Kid-like. Kid wannabes. People have pictures of kids. I don't know anything. Kids. Come on. Take a seat. Great to see you all. These are beautiful kids. Do you know that you're beautiful people? Did you know that? Yep. They're like, darn right. Okay, I got a question for some of you this morning. Um, have you ever felt really, really special? If, if you've ever felt special, raise your hand. Yeah, you felt special sometimes, just like really special. Well, let me ask you this. That feels good, right? When you feel special. Um, can anyone think of a time when they felt really, really special? Can you think of a time? Do you want to tell us? No, nope. uh-uh, I wouldn't either. Hold on. Okay. When would you feel really special? When I come to church and some people pray for me. When people pray for you, you feel special, like God sees you and they do. That's great. Who else? Yes. When there are some kittens at our house. What, other kids at your house? And you get kittens at your house. Even better than kids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? When did you feel really special? We have puppies at our house. It's a lot of puppies and kittens going on out there. It makes you feel special because it's warm, right? You get to be with them. Well, you know what? I want to tell you that each one of you is very, very special. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the Bible says that God created you, he made you, in his image. Now, that might be a hard thing to understand because we all look different, right? But let me explain it to you like this. It's like one day before you were born, God was looking in the mirror in heaven. Can you imagine that? There's God in heaven and he's looking in the mirror. And he's looking at himself and he's saying, you know what? I'm fabulous. I'm wonderful. I'm astoundingly special. And he was thinking about each one of you and he thought, now, which part of my specialness will I put in that one? And that's how he made you. That's what it means that God created you in his image. He's taken some part of him and he's plopped it in you. And so each one of you has some special way that you actually reflect the image of God into the world. That means when people look at you, something inside them says, wow, there must be a great, fabulous, special God because they're very special. Does that make you feel good? Well, it makes me feel good, even more than kittens. I like to know that God looks at me and calls me special, that he loves me. And that's one of the reasons that when the Bible tells us to honor each other, that means to make each other feel valuable and special. And when we do that, we're actually saying, you were created in the image of God. We're saying God is good and you are good because God made you. And I would like to pray for us now that we can walk around in our lives knowing that God created us in his image. We reflect him like a mirror into the world because we're each special. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for each one of these uh, kids up here. I thank you for their families. I thank you for their puppies and their kittens and all their, the ones that they love. And I thank you, God, that you've made each one special.
And I ask in Jesus' name that you would teach them and show them and reveal to them that special part of your image that they reflect. Lord, that they might walk in their true identities and communicate to the world there is a great God who made them. In Jesus' name, amen. Who was really nervous about that? Okay. Okay, so tell me what makes you feel special. Anybody out there? What makes you feel special? This is, yes, this is a real question to adults. Sunsets. How come? Yeah. Sort of like the sunset for you personally every single day. It's beautiful. Anybody else? Yes. Well, we may as well do the deed. Oh. Okay. Uh, Barry is our family pastor. And he would be happy to talk to you. Well, welcome. We're so glad. Tell me your name again. Mike. Mike. Happy birthday. birthday. Yeah, it's great. Anything less tense? (laughs) Yes. Being a mom makes you feel special. It's great. Yes. Family. That's beautiful. It's great to see you guys. I think that I could have... Who was over? Someone? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you have the opportunity to be with kids at a crucial time in their lives when they really need to see stability and grace and you get to help them. It's a special calling. That's beautiful. I I probably could have brought all of the adults up and said, we're going to have the adult sermon now, because the fact is each one of us desperately needs to know that we've been especially made by God. I mean, it's a desperate longing in the world. There's a translation of a proverb. You don't see it in the NIV. I can't remember which translation, but it it comes across because the Hebrew is kind of hard to understand. It comes across as what a man wants is unconditional love. I mean, it's just like dropped into the longing being of a created human is this desire to be loved unconditionally, to be known as valuable just for who we are. And... um, I, I just think we all need to hear it. So I feel a little special today, as you can see. See? It's not often that I wear a Hawaiian shirt. Um, in fact, uh, this is the second time in my entire life that I have actually worn a Hawaiian shirt. I normally go for the sort of muted blacks and blues, if you haven't noticed in the past. Um, but uh, 10 years ago, September, I received this shirt. I was doing my very first wedding as a pastor. And uh, Chris Ludden, who did our media last week, he's not here now, but he, I mean, just last service, Chris and Ginger Ludden were getting married. It was my first wedding. Uh, Ginger's from the islands. And so I said, hey, what, you know, what kind of wedding is this? You know, casual, you know, should I wear a suit? He said, no, I'm buying you a shirt. So this was actually the shirt I did my first wedding in. Yeah, it's tender, I know. And uh, <clears throat> the nice thing is that 10 years later, I can still get it on. So <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> This will be the last time you ever see it. So um, I thought it was appropriate, uh, Jane and I and some of the staff and some leaders, actually 13 of us from the church, 
were in uh, Anaheim, California last week. We uh, flew to Southern California for the Vineyard National Conference. And so uh, some of you may know a lot about the Vineyard as a movement of churches. Some of you may not. Uh, The movement's about 35 years old, started in Southern California, kind of through the Jesus hippie movement, um, and a lot of baptisms on the beach back in Southern California in the 70s. And John Wimber, who is uh, the founder, other than Jesus, of the Vineyard, First Vineyard Church and the Vineyard Movement, was notorious for wearing um, shirts like this. So, okay, that's all I have to say about that. I wanted to take just a couple minutes before we go to the scriptures, and uh, I wanted to tell you a little bit about this conference, because it may be that you're very new to the vineyard as a church, or you didn't even realize that this vineyard church was a part of the whole organization and association of churches in the United States and overseas. There are actually 750 vineyard churches in the U.S., um, and about another 750 or 800 overseas all, diff- all sorts of countries. I don't know how many hundred countries right now. And uh, a goal from the Vineyard um, USA as a movement is to plant another 750 churches in the next 10 years. So I was encouraged to hear that, um, you know, God's moving here in Indianapolis, in our church and in many, many churches. But God's moving across this country in the movement of Vineyard churches. And there's an excitement about planting you know, little, small, vibrant, passionate groups of people who are following Jesus and expressing his love and power in multiple ways to the poor, through mercy, through worship, through teaching and discipleship um, all over the country. And I'm just excited to be a part of that. So I'll just say it boldly. You may be here at the vineyard and have that sense of, you know, I'm called to be a part of something new. Um, If you've got that sort of missionary spirit, I'd just love to talk to you. I'd love to hear your story. What we find out in this church is that God brings many, many people here into our body for a specific time period. And um, they usually fall under the category of, uh, let me just be honest, a little bit broken, a little bit disconnected, and highly gifted people. And that's us. A little bit broken a little bit disconnected and highly gifted. And I see this vineyard as a place where we get to remember our redemption, find our restoration, identify our calling, and then live it out in the world. So we just want to be a part of that. And I just encourage you, if uh, something's stirring in you ministry-wise, talk to me, talk to one of the staff or one of the leaders. The, um, there were a couple thousand people at this conference. Uh, there were 800 kids, 400 teenagers, Uh, The night that the teenagers came in and worshipped with the adults was incredible. I've never seen so many kids jump so high for such a long extended period of time. The calf muscles on the next generation are enormous. But there was just a palpable sense of uh, passion for God, especially when the kids came in and all the adults and kids worshiping. So the very first day of the conference, actually the, the new director, Phil Strout, is the new national director of the Vineyard. He's a pastor from a church in Maine. Just a beautiful man. Just a great heart for God. Very real, very honest, very open, and passionate. And uh, he had 400 of the kids just come up on the stage and basically parade in front of everyone. Not, not to show off their clothes, 
not just to show how cute they are, because what he was saying was, you know what? We get to honor this generation. He pointed to the kids and we prayed for them and we blessed them. And he said, you know, look at these 400 children. Here's the reality. We don't know who they're going to become. We don't know who we're in the presence of right now. I mean, the 20 or 25 kids that were sitting up here just minutes ago, you realize we have no idea their destiny. We don't know there's an, there may be a next Mother Teresa. There's a next Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, we have no idea who's here. And the gift that we have, as adults right now I'm talking, is to bless and to honor that generation. Not just, you know, say, oh, one day you'll get to. But, you know, they led us in worship this morning. As they like to say in the vineyard, there's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. We all got the same one. We're all imprinted with the same DNA of Jesus, whether we're one month old or a hundred years old. And so there's this great, yeah, even one month, blam, just like that. So uh, uh, the theme of the conference was all in. And so Phil, as the national director, really spent a lot of his time saying, you know, we're, we, we want to be as a movement all in for the kingdom of God. If the kingdom of God is worth pursuing at all, the kingdom of God is worth pursuing in all ways, completely. And um, he said, you know, we just need everyone. We need every generation. We need every gift mix. We need every group of people to be all in so that we can actually see the love and the power of God go out into the world. So I was, I felt proud, actually, to be a part of the Vineyard as a movement. Um, if you'd like more information about the Vineyard, maybe it's brand new, sort of the concept of the movement of churches, uh, vineyardusa.org is the website. Lots of fun stuff on there, and um, you'll learn a lot about the church, I think. Um, okay. Well, why don't you stand up? I want to uh, read one uh, verse of Scripture from Romans chapter 12. This uh, context here, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the Christians at Rome. And, you know, he's got an awful lot in Romans 12 about being a, uh, laying our lives out as a sacrifice for God about the spiritual gifts, the ministries of the Holy Spirit, about the, the, spiritual, the miraculous spiritual gifts, about the body of Christ. And right in the middle of this chapter, he, he gives these very uh, succinct and very practical instructions for believers, for us. This is how I want you to be in the church, is what Paul's saying. So I'm going to read this and I'm going to pray for us. Romans 12.10 Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Let me read that part again. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, um, I thank you that you're present and I ask now that you would do your work in the same way that you inspired this scripture and in the mind of Paul 2,000 years ago and preserved it for us, Lord, I ask now that you would breathe upon it. You would illuminate this scripture, that love in our midst would be real, that brotherly affection would be um, powerful in and among us. And I ask God for the gift in this church of delighting in honoring one another. And we pray that we can do this for your glory and for the sake of the world. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> well, I just want to take a few minutes and look at this scripture. This, uh, in so many ways, was uh, a part of the theme of the conference from last week. In fact, at the very end of the conference, you know, we'd had uh, varied speakers throughout the week. The national director stood up, and it's the last night. You know, it's the kind of keynote address on the last night. There's about 2,500 people in the auditorium at the Anaheim Vineyard. You know, real powerful. And he chose to take that last message and talk about how important it is for us to honor one another. He could have talked about worship. He could have talked about discipleship. He could have talked about the Bible, the Holy Spirit, church planting, missions, signs, wonders, miracles. I mean, could have talked about any of that, and it would have been perfectly appropriate. I cried because at the last uh, sort of message of the conference, he chose to say this. This is how we'll sustain ourselves as a movement of churches following Jesus if we honor one another if we love one another from the heart, if we'll honor the generations from zero to a hundred, if we'll honor one another across cultural differences, across political differences, you know, across uh, all... I mean, we were in California for two weeks, all right? Who's from California originally? Anybody? Okay, you guys are weird. Can I just say that? California is very, very different. Okay. First thing I learned as a missionary 25 years ago, it's not strange, it's just different. I mean, there are people from 50, 50 states in that, uh, in that sanctuary, very wild, different. And yet there was unity. Because praise God, when he calls us to unity, he doesn't call us to uniformity. Uniformity is we'd all look alike, right? How scary is that thought? I think I've seen horror movies like that, right? If God wanted to make us all alike, he could have done it. He chose us to make each individually in his image. And then he said this, honor one another, love one another. In other words, that special part of the image of God in each person, lift it up and give it value and highlight it. And so I just was thrilled to hear um, that we are a part of a group of churches that wants to honor one another. What is honor? Paul says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. I mean, from the heart. You know what fake love feels like, right? You know what a fake smile looks like. And you know the difference between that and someone whose heart has engaged with yours. Someone who feels with you. And Paul's saying, let that be. The... Um, the Greek word actually for this type of love or compassion is splunknitsomai. It means uh, to come out from the bowels. A little scary. I mean, that's what, it's, it's, it's that kind of love. It's that kind of attention to the other. It's that kind of investment. And so I, I would define honor as a choice to place high value on a person because they're made in God's image. When Paul says honor one another... Take delight, be thrilled about honoring one another. He's saying this, be thrilled when you get a chance to place high value on another person because they're made in God's image. I mean, we just have people out there in the world desperate to hear that they're valuable. We, deep down, each one of us is desperate to hear that we're valuable. Uh, last night... Um, 
Jane and I were taking a walk, and we were with our dog, taking our dog for a walk. We do that, you know, like everybody. And we were, uh, had to go to the store, so we walked down to the store with the dog, and apparently the dog's not allowed in the CVS. So I stood outside, and Jane went in. And I was just sitting on a bench in front of the drugstore and right next to this kind of restaurant bar. And uh, I'm sitting there with the dog, and um, this car pulls up, and an older man, older of of course, is a general term these days, <laughs> older than me, okay? An older man comes out, and as soon as he saw my dog, Moses, I mean, I thought he was going to cry. He just looked at me and said, oh, he reminds me of Bosco. You could feel the pain. I mean, it was like a year ago, his dog had died. And he, it was like it was yesterday. And so he came over, he's petting the dog, and I just, I am not necessarily Mr. Compassion and Discernment, but I could see the man was being touched. And so he's just playing with the dog. And I said, man, you can play with my dog. You know, anytime. I'm just trying to be friendly. And um, it was, he was choking up. And so he walks into the bar. And um, I said, okay, nice to see you. And he walks into the bar. Like two minutes later, he walks out of the bar. And he turned to me and he said, I mean, just right out of his mouth, he says, he turns to me and says, I don't go to the bar to drink. I just go to the bar to talk to people. And there wasn't anyone in there. So he was going home. And, I mean, he just engaged. It, it was almost like he was saying, here's what I heard. Be my friend. Value me. He was all dressed up. Why was he going into the bar? Not to forget, but to remember. He was going into the bar to relate to people, to connect with people, probably to deposit some of his wisdom, probably to express to people, you know, I may, look, I may not look like it now, but I'm a person of value. And so, I mean, I wanted to kiss the guy, but I thought it would be awkward there in front of the CVS. I, I mean, we exchanged names, and he said, I live right around the corner. I said, you know, George, you can play with my dog anytime you want. I'd love to talk to you. People are longing to be engaged because deep within them is this image of God, which says I'm special, but we don't always affirm it. People need it. There are people in your sphere of influence in your family, you live around, you work around, you walk around, and they're longing to be engaged like that, simply to be honored, not to be puffed up, not, not, not just a bunch of you know, great things about them, but just to be valued for who they are. And I think it's one of our privileges as Christians, with the Holy Spirit of the God who created people, to be able to acknowledge their worthiness, their specialness, their honor. We do this by communicating value to others by our words and by our actions. It's, you know, it's true that sometimes we do honorable things and sometimes we do dishonorable things. Some lives you would say are honorable lives and honestly you'd say some lives are less honorable. But we don't, I mean the, the Bible doesn't command us to honor only those who show themselves worthy of honor. It says honor one another. Now, Paul's talking to believers. Paul's saying, honor the one for whom Christ died. You know, who is a new creation in Christ. But uh, there are other places in the scripture where it says, honor all men, honor all people, because everybody carries the image of God. And sometimes our only job is just, I mean, we've got to dig down and find that image of God that's within people and bless it and honor it. People are longing to know who they are deep down. 
There's another um, translation of Romans 12.10 that says, outdo one another in honor. So we have any competitive people in here? Will anyone admit that they're competitive? Thank you. Okay. I've got, I've got something for you to do. Outdo one another with honor. Do you know what it's like to be in a setting where everyone's trying to outdo one another with their own stories? Oh, well, that's nothing. You should hear what I did. Oh, well, that's nothing, you know. And by the end, you couldn't find the truth for anything, right? But you know what it feels like? You've probably felt the same compulsion yourself. I know I have. What if we were to outdo one another in honor? Oh, no, no, but not about me. Let's hear, Barry, what you have to say. (laughs) Again. I mean, what if we were to do that? What if we were to just look for ways to outdo one another in honor? to show high value, to place high value on another. Again, Phil Stroud, that last message. Phil's had an incredible, he was a missionary in Chile. He's seen miracles. He's seen churches planted. He's done all sorts of things. He didn't take his time to talk about himself. He chose to take the time to talk about how do we honor one another? How do we lift one another up in the kingdom? We get a chance to do that. Genesis one twenty-seven. The Bible says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So you don't have to do it because it'll be awkward. But, you know, inside, imagine yourself turning to your spouse right now and saying, you are created in the image of God. Boy, that, that helps when you have a fight a little bit, isn't it? You were created in the image of God. When God looked down, he said, you know, I can't get all of my attributes into this just one thing called a man. (laughs) It'll never work. I'm going to create a woman. And so the, the full expression of God's image is when man and woman are both functioning in their gifts. That's why we need everyone in the vineyard, men and women, children, young and old. We need everyone. That's that's how we show the image, the reflection of God in the world. One of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, um, he wrote uh, one essay called The Weight of Glory. And in that book, there's a whole bunch of essays. And he says this. There are no ordinary people. You've never talked to a mere mortal. Um, Quick divergence. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says that eternity is set in the hearts of men and women. So what that means is each one of us and those who don't even know Jesus are created with this eternal destiny and an eternal longing to be connected or reconnected with the eternal one, with God. So we are, you know, we'll have a, an end to our physical life, but this part inside lives forever. You've never met a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. Those things pass away. But it's immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. And Lewis will go on to say that every interaction we have with another human being furthers their their, uh, journey, their destiny towards becoming either an immortal horror or an everlasting splendor. So we have a chance to increase 
the splendor in the world by honoring one another. By honoring one another. By loving one another well with the love that God has loved us with. Honor does not mean agreeing with everyone. Just make sure you're clear about that. And honor does not mean condoning every sin. That's not the point of honor. The point of honor is this. Because of who you are, made in the image of God, you're valuable. And I call you valuable. I assess to you high worth or high value. Whether I agree or not is another issue. Whether I can condone your behavior or not is a different issue. But you are valuable. A couple of years ago, that's kind of a dicey story. Okay, thanks. <laughs> a couple of years ago, um, someone, uh, someone close to me um, was asked to go to a wedding of uh, a same-sex couple. And um, this person asked me, you know, Randy, should I go to this ceremony? Because I don't want to condone this type of behavior. And I said, well, what is most important to you? to make a moral statement with your life or to show those two people that they're valued and loved by God and that you support them as humans. I mean, it just struck me. However you, wherever you go on an issue like that, we're not called to condone everyone's behavior or agree with everyone, but we're called to love everyone. We're called to honor everyone. How else will people know the creator unless we say you were made in his image and we bless that image within them? It's possible to honor people that we don't know by giving them high value. It's possible to honor people we don't even like. It's just harder. Honor includes words and includes actions. Again, it's not about condoning or believing or agreeing with everything. The Bible says, speak the truth to one another. Ephesians chapter 4. It just says, speak the truth in love. There's a lot of truth required in the world right now. There's a lot more love required in the world right now. And we get to couch truth in love so that people are honored and they will be turned to the one who created them. The way we do this is by affirming in people what we see. Not just by saying what we don't like, but actually affirming in people what we see. Parents, you see something in your children that you don't like so much. Don't spend all your time there. Spend some time affirming what you love, what you see. Another way you can think about honor is looking for and affirming the evidence of God's grace in other people's lives. You may be thinking of someone right now thinking, man, I don't know how I'd honor them. Image of Christ, I'm not seeing it. Doesn't, nope, can't be. God is working in everyone's life. And we have the opportunity to let people know where the grace of God is in their lives. Just look at those people that are difficult to honor and love and say, God, where's your grace active in their lives? And then affirm it. Affirm it. Affirm it. Um, uh, about three years ago, um, I had a vision and I was praying for the church and I was praying, God, you know, show me what the church is. Like, what are we supposed to do? How do I, how do I do this job? You know, I only pray that about five times a day. Um, and I saw very clearly in my mind, I saw a picture of myself and I was standing on a big, huge slab of stone. 
I was looking down in the vision. I was looking down at the stone and I heard the Lord say to me, you're standing on a gold mine. And I'm pretty sure that didn't have anything to do with my financial future. He said, you're standing on a gold mine. And the people that I bring into the church are the gold. And your job as a pastor is to call people up and equip people and with those that you love and work with to mine the gold. Because there's a hungry world that needs to be fed. So that's a huge part of the calling of this church is just simply to look at you and every person that God brings in here and look for the gold inside you. I mean, look for the gold. Every single one of us, there's gold inside. Some of us hide it better than others. Some of us, it's a little deeper. For some of us, it's a little bit more energy required to get to it. But I'll tell you, if you knew that you had a gold mine and the, and the riches of the universe were behind it, how hard would you work to get that gold? Well, that's within each and every one of us. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within us. So when we look at people in whatever state of their relationship with God and we work with them and we love them and we affirm them and we stand with them and walk with them, and call out the gifts in them. We're mining gold. And I'll tell you, one of these days, in each and every one of us, in each child, in each rebel, in each prodigal, in each hard-hearted person, God is going to let that be revealed, that gold within. And I'll tell you, I think that is a big part of the glory of the end times church, is when every single person, God calls them up. And he just shines his light on the gold within them. Some of you, that's hard to hear today. You don't feel very goldy. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it's there. It's deep within. And what, what I want to be as a church is those that are constantly doing the loving and sometimes hard but faithful work of mining the gold. It's the image of God within us. It's our blessing and our privilege to honor one another because we're made in God's image. Why don't you stand up and let's pray. Father, I, I thank you that um, you're here and you're present. You're working. I thank you, God, that you had a plan for each of the people here today. Before they were born, you looked in the mirror and as it were, you, you, just, you made a decision to reflect a part of your image in each one. I ask now in Jesus' name, would you bring revelation? Help us to see your image within us. Give us eyes to see in one another the gold and give us grace, Lord, to work and to dig and to mine that gold. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to celebrate communion right now. We have uh, five stations. Uh, they're all grape juice, so you don't have to worry. You can uh, take communion as a family, three in the front, two in the back. Just be together. You know, it's uh, sometimes said these days that um, the value of something is determined by the price that one will pay for it. Well, if, if that's the case, then your value is inestimable because Jesus paid the price for you with his life. Jesus let his body be broken and let his blood be spilled on your behalf. So if you've given your life to Christ... You know him. He's honoring you this morning.
by giving you his body and his blood. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God, you don't, you're still investigating faith or maybe you're dubious, um, while we're taking communion, I would ask you to just stay in your seat and just ask God to reveal to you who he is. Because I'll tell you, when you find out God and who God is, he will show you who you are and what he can be in you. So when you're ready, please come forward.